Hey everybody, it's me, Steve Baslone, and you're listening to another episode of Terribly Funny, uh, the podcast where I talk to some funny people, f- people that I find funny at least, um, about some bad things that have happened to them. And today, well, this guest I find to be quite delightful, quite funny. His name is Joe Rendazzo. He's a very talented a gentleman that I first met back in the early aughts at Emerson College. Um, and when I first met him, I was like, oh, this guy's funny and seems nice. But then I saw a play that he wrote and was like, oh... This is way better than anything else I've seen in all four years at this school. This guy's probably pretty talented. Turns out he was, uh, because since leaving uh, uh, the the sacred halls of uh, Emerson College, he has gone on to be um, the editor in chief of a little publication called The Onion for many years. After that, uh, what did he do? He wrote a book called Funny on Purpose: The Definitive Guide to an Unpredictable Career in Comedy, uh, which is a great book. It's 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 funny and it's also a good guidebook, you know, with some earnestness. So check it out. What else did he do? Oh, um, he writes for At Midnight. You know that show where Chris Hardwick makes all the jokes with the other comedians? Well, Joe helps write all those all those jokes. He's actually the head writer, in fact. Basically, what I'm saying is support everything this guy does. And the best way to support that right now is to listen to what he has to say about. Um, a time period that I think was was really just a, a wonderful period for everybody. September 11th. Did you forget about it? Mm, too soon. You'd never forget. That's how these things work. Uh, okay, that's enough, right? Starting off with September 11th joke. Good stuff. Anyways, here's the episode. Theme music, please. Deep end, there is only one of you. And I'll accept no substitute. No, nothing else will do. Only you. Best. Uh, you know, I was talking to so my, my lady friend who was visiting. I was giving her context for who you were, and I was talking about the show that I don't remember, but it was you and Hans and Gareth and what was it the Dutch kid's name? Version. The, was it the official, the official version? version? Alexander Albrecht. Alexander, that's right. He was Dutch, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and that thing was just like the four years at Emerson was the, by far the best thing I saw. Outside of like maybe like a sketch here and there, but like as a whole piece, it was like by far the best thing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, but the writing of that thing, that thing, the official version, which happened in the wake of nine eleven, when my because I was in Boston mm-hmm. at that time, sure, my whole brain got shattered, as many many people's did. I think was the most fluid, like channeling something from somewhere writing that I've ever done. I've never done anything else like it before. Really? I sat down and wrote that entire thing in probably four hours. Holy shit. And then, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. But but still. It was in an evening. And then I went back and like edited and punched it up a few times, but didn't really, you know. And then I tweaked over the course of several months, but like the bulk of that stuff was written in one night. Where it was literally just like, I have all these voices racing through my head. I'm going to try to see what some of them say. That's pretty cool. But but I've never had anything like that before or since. But that's interesting. That's, I think that's, from my perspective, nice to hear. Because you hear like tall tales of like, what's his name? Uh, uh, Fogler, who wrote um, Crazy Stupid Love. He like, supposedly wrote that on a plane ride. Uh, Balboa, or what's his name? Uh, Stallone supposedly wrote... Rocky in like a night uh-huh. and like you get the stories like okay how much are we cooking the books here like yeah. you wrote like a, you know a piece of it and that was the but right. the year that because I've never had that happen I've had like something I've written something quickly in like a week yeah but you know a week's pretty long you can do a lot of stuff Compared in a week to a night yeah well you just need to have the symbols of global capitalism mm-hmm. 
smashed with two airplanes. Yeah, that'll do it. Again. Yeah, and that really and real catharsis. Will, then maybe that'll spark something in you. Or just like a mound of cocaine. <laughs> Either mm-hmm. way. Um, so tell me about something, a, a tough period in your life. Well, actually, that was a pretty tough period, I would say. Yeah, I think um, for a lot of people. <laughs> well, it was also, you know, it was college which is great and bad. I think at Emerson College, it's a great place to go because if you find the people and the things that you want to do, you can just do so much of it Yes. with really great, talented people. But it's also a little... I never lived on campus. I always lived in different parts of the city and kind of worked throughout. So I also felt a little bit unmoored, you mm-hmm. know, kind of disconnected from anything. Sure. I was in the journalism department, but most of my friends were in the drama department. I just didn't want to do drama. Yeah. I really wanted to do comedy. Yeah. But I never had like the the nut to like audition for. I had never done improv or sketch or anything like that. And right. I just sort of felt like I don't know. It was hard for me to find the nerve to try to break in there. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it can be a, a a very kind of intimidating, treacherous thing. I feel like I always did sketch growing up and improv here and there, but like that's the way I felt about like stand up. I could yeah. go to see a show like I'm gonna nope I'm not gonna try this now I'm gonna try nope I'm not gonna do yeah, it because it's just it. yeah the most frightening and there were there were a bunch of comedy troops mm-hmm. on campus and I thought that they were all uh, I thought that they were all pretty good but had some people who really intimidated me with their for sure ability like Gareth Reynolds and yeah CJ. yeah those two guys being great friends with but for sure but I remember when I came meeting those two guys and like you know. Uh, Jimmy and, and Evan yeah. and all those all like those monkey guys Swole Monkeys Emerson College just giving context uh, <laughs> all those guys meeting like holy fuck these guys are all like really talented and really like effortlessly funny yeah and being like very intimidated by that um, yeah. so what about this period was like a well I think it was just you know it's a time when you're starting to become an, an adult and battling all of those old childish ways yeah which I still am many years later sure um, and then, you know, I don't drink anymore, but I used to drink a lot, especially then. And that's sort of when I think alcoholism and depression started really taking hold and fomenting in yeah. my psyche during that period of time. But it was also, it was like, you know, you're too dumb and, and young and, and there's too many daily things to worry about to kind of reflect on the fact that you are depressed, you know, or it was that way for me. I think so. I think it's easier to, uh, I think periods in which in which I've been depressed where if I've been busy, it's easy to kind of just like lump it into like, oh, I'm just tired because I've been busy. Yeah. And they like when then you realize when you have like a period where you have nothing going on, like I'm still tired. Yeah. And it's not coming from, it's just coming from sadness. It's not coming right, from yeah. like a lack of sleep. Yeah. My spirit is, yeah. is tired. It's just beat up. Yeah. Yeah, but that in particular, you know, I was driving over thinking about um, thinking about an episode, and it falls in that time. It was uh, it was near graduation, so and, and my senior year started with nine eleven. I think that was like the first day of classes. Yeah, and yeah, I remember that. And I was living in the North End, the Italian section of Boston, with my younger brother. Great place to live during college. And I was tired and. You know, I was already sleeping through my first class because probably had mild depression. I kept going online, like, why, why can't I wake up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe it's vitamin E. That's what I should do. Um, that's always the that's always the case. And that ha- you know, and that happened, and was like, holy cow, that was very scary. And I remember going down into uh, well, I just wanted to be outside, you know, to be among other people. Mm-hmm. And I remember just walking down the street with my younger brother, and everybody was kind of out in the streets, like just trying to f- figure out what was going on. And uh, this guy just walked up to us, this like Italian guy. And was like, uh, what did he say? He was like, man, did you hear about what happened? And I was like, yeah, it's, yeah, of course. And he's like, we gotta, we gotta just do something and get all those sand niggers out of here. Oh boy! Just like a stranger came up to another stranger and you and started talking about that. Like that's crazy. Within an hour, you know, of of it happening. Jesus. And uh, yeah, the North End's not the friendliest. No, place no, no. It's a little bit of an antiquated backwoods kind of spot. Not backwoods, backwards. Italians just... are not known for their to be to be racist against Italians. They're sure. A very racist. Race. Yeah. There you go. I've grown up in. Uh, I am Italian, and my Italian side of the family is um, uh, not the most tolerant. Yeah. I'd say they're all good people. I think when push Great comes to shove, they're fine. Yeah, but sure. like as a broad swath, yeah. Yeah. At least that was, you know, some of the stuff I grew up in. But that's a crazy thing just to walk up to somebody. Is that just, that just comes out of fear? I don't know. I I was shocked, you know. Uh, it was not my reaction to, th- to yeah. things. And, uh, yeah. And, that, and I don't know. That just sort of started that school year. And then I remember going into a, to a coffee shop, too, and it was on the news. And everybody was sitting around watching. And there were these, again, like Italian-American slick-back guido guys mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they kept playing it over and over like replay with the plane going into the tower and they'd be like oh like <laughs> like like somebody wiped out on a skateboard yeah oh. yeah and like Wah! it was it was a very surreal way to start the day and start that like they're watching year. a blooper reel <laughs> yeah, yeah it really was and it kind of was a blooper reel, wasn't yeah. it? There was an historical blooper reel. Well, I think that kind of thing, uh, that event, 9-11 specifically, to me, speaking about this guy that came up to you, it feels like it was kind of like a little bit of uh, the initial reaction was like, showed who you were like in the same way that when you have, when you're a little bit drunk. Mm-hmm. Like me, I'm just a little bit happier and a little bit talkier. Mm-hmm. Some people go like a little bit more aggressive. Some people get more emotional. Right. Like so like, when that first happened, I remember I had a, a speech class. I went to a speech class, first day of speech class, and had walked. I, I used to put the Today Show on in the morning mm-hmm. as I was getting ready for uh, school. You got to. You have to. It's a great way to start off your day with Matt and Al and whoever else was there. Um, and I saw they the first plane it did, and they thought it was like a little Cessna. They thought it was like an accident at that point. So then I left, and then by the time I got to school, I heard more things. And people were really talked about the Pentagon, and I just was making a joke. Like, wow, they're really cleaning house. Like, those those terrorists don't fuck around. And everybody kind of laughed because it didn't like you didn't understand the magnitude. So it was like this weird chaotic thing. So my gut reaction was like, I'm gonna joke about this Mm -hmm. because I don't understand what it is. Um, Whereas this guy just went purely to, let's round up people and get them out of here. Yeah, which we're still discussing today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I remember just like really getting into all the, the just like looking at different you know you know first conspiracy theories and wondering about you know just like anything that would challenge the reality that I had known up to that point right really got into during that year just trying to read everything think of 
look at every possible outside point of view, you know, hey, maybe maybe reptilians are involved. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know. Let's let's <laughs> it's at least worth reading the uh what was it the uh, what was the paper I used to read every day on the way in the tea the little tiny one that came out every day, the Metro. The no. Metro, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think like the Metro was you know, a incredible journalism. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like they used to like their every day was like a different weird fucking thing in there because they'd always have one section was like editorial. Oh, what yeah. maybe it's this thing, <laughs> and like I feel like they were like a hair away from talking about reptilians. Yeah. Well, I'm still not sure. Yeah. It does. It does explain everything nicely. Sure. Too nicely. That's yeah, my yeah, that's that's the why I think it. it's not reptilians. It's yeah. a little too clean. Well, I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Um, but that, how did that like lean into like affecting your depression? Did it make it exacerbated? Well, actually, kind of. I don't even know how deep of depression I was in, except that I was. I think I was just like in a kind of, you know, on some existential down and outs yeah. in general and then that kind of shook me out of it in some ways but then also just made the whole world seem like it was very possible that it would end you know yes. yeah <laughs> which was on a, on a just on a bigger scale and just like you know the amount of hatred the amount of anger sadness violence death that was wrapped up in all of that not just the 3,000 people who died but mm-hmm. everything that led up to it everything that came after it all of you know what that symbolized was just really you know draining and heavy to contemplate yeah you know and it was in the middle of the Bush administration which now George Bush for some reason during Donald Trump's candidacy were treating him like some kind of elder statesman he seems pretty well by, by comparison seems relatively measured <laughs> well yeah because he yeah. wasn't just a completely unhinged chaotic ego machine yeah you know he had at least an ideology that he stuck to or something um and he and seemed like he was fun at parties so he had that going for him yeah and i think yeah. he really saw christ you know i don't i don't think donald trump believes in anything or himself not christ yeah anyway we're not here to talk about donald trump no but that was a really bad time those, those that administration was awful and it was the worst presidency mm-hmm. of my lifetime and probably ever. And I think it's easy to forget now, but it was... People were not saying anything bad about him. Or the invasion or the war, you know? Like, it was, I think it was everybody was so afraid. Everybody, everybody was, afraid. was so afraid. And I think it's interesting. And I, I don't know why I have not really drawn this comparison in my mind. Um, but, like, all the shit that's happened in the last four months, specifically, like what three weeks ago with the you know the the cop violence and then uh-huh. directly the response to that in in uh, dallas mm-hmm. it was just it felt like the same thing like the pot has just gotten stirred and everybody's a little bit afraid and because we're afraid we're all going to this like gut reaction this like kind of who are you when you're drunk it's like right. when you're afraid or when something chaotic has happened the base emotion comes out and yeah. that's the way it felt like in that fall like I remember, like reading the Metro every day, and it's like, oh, and now there's fucking anthrax. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, that's right. Up until this point in time, I didn't realize that that was a terrible poison. I just thought it was like a band that I'm not going to be into because it's a little bit too screamy. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't even know what the element was. Yeah. But just like yeah, all this shit about was the shit was anthrax, and there was another crash. There was another plane crash in Queens, like a few right. weeks later. Yeah. That everybody was just like, oh, that was definitely not terrorism. And I've never heard like anything else about it 
yeah. since then. I think a few hundred people, like it crashed into, into like buildings a in Queens, yeah. right? Yeah, it was I mean, that's like how it spoke to like how chaotic that period was. That like a fucking big plane just crashed into a neighborhood, yeah. and then it was like news for like a day. Yeah, and we just put that behind us very quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in in that year, you know, I had moved around a couple times, and I was living in the North End. And then around the time that I was getting ready to graduate, there was, uh, you know, I was, I was in this apartment, and my landlady was this nice old Italian lady. But then I had, one of the tiles in the tub had come out. And rather than, like, have her fix it, I just covered it up with a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, some water got in underneath some moisture got in and some something happened. Well, that's that like seems like a crazy thing to me now, but that's like when you're 22, it's like, yeah, I'll put a bag here. Yeah, I didn't, that's fine. I wasn't, it's you know, fixed. I wasn't the most responsible adult. We were, all, we were all zygotes. Rather than, because in the past, too, in fairness to me, uh, <laughs> when, fair to you. <laughs> when yeah. there had been uh, a problem that required a handyman, the person she sent over was this guy who was very nice, who I think had sustained a major brain injury oh. and was being was you know she continued to use him mainly because she's like well he's nice you know sure. like she needed she needed to give him some work so if something broke and she'd call sling blade to come over and do some work for you it would always take a little longer than anticipated like there was one time where he had to he installed new cabinets and then he came back when i wasn't there and the kitchen was all in disarray because he said that he had put the cabinet handles on backwards but they were just they were just cabinet like they were going to be on backwards yeah or maybe yeah. it was that they were upside down but they were literally like the little loop uh-huh there was no upside down to yeah. them yeah and so i you know he was just i just came home and he was in my kitchen fixing the upside down loops and he had some weird assistant with him and there was just oh. it was starting to become a strange situation it was, it was awkward so the bath started leaking i couldn't use my bathroom uh, for a while and so she had me use her she had another apartment downstairs but that was all that was just like the water was brown and weird in there and, and somebody so, else was living there? no no one else was okay. living in the downstairs like an apartment she kept for herself oh boy but she let me use it to use the shower and it was a carpeted bathroom which you also have <laughs> uh-huh. but not in the shower not area. in the shower area because that's a disaster the shower area was carpeted mm-hmm. and it just became this thing where she grew very angry with me and started blaming me for all of the problems that there were in this very old, it was an old North End building. Right. And, and, and so then she just had workers who were just cutting up the bathroom in my apartment while I was there, making it very unhealthy to live mm-hmm. and breathe. Sure. And I was like, I can't, I can't be in here, I can't be downstairs, but can you wait to fix this until like I'm leaving out, I'm, I'm moving out literally in two weeks. Yeah. I'll be done. And she was like, absolutely not. So she went from being this sweet old lady to being a very hard, mean old lady. Right. She actually had her son-in-law, who was a, or her son, who was a state trooper, like call me at work to threaten me and say, like he he did the a like state troopers calling to threaten you. Yeah. To say, you know, he did the like, uh, oh, we could do this the easy way, we could do this the hard way. You seem like a smart guy. What oh. do you want to do? All right, can we like not use like such cliches here, bro? Yeah, it was very, it was very cliched. Yeah. So my apartment's being all torn up into disarray. 
and it's uh, approaching graduation time, and um, I'm trying to remember exactly how the sequence of events went, but basically at around this same time, my my parents' house burned down. Jesus. So it was on one weekend. Within one week, I had my was being kicked out of my apartment. It was my parents' twenty fifth wedding anniversary. Yeah, twenty fifth wedding anniversary, Mother's Day, and my uh, childhood home burned down. It didn't burn to the ground. It mm-hmm. just got completely gutted. Still. And so all this stuff was sort of happening at the same time, and I was like, all on the cusp of graduation. Yeah, it was Which all is like a mind fuck into itself in a week. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, it also just sort of like, well, now it's time to go off and uh, do do whatever Adult it is stuff, that you I guess. do. And uh, you know, I just remember I got I got this. I wound up getting this comedy scholarship, um, which was great. It was you know a big help to you know give me some money to buy some like audio equipment because I was doing a lot of I was working at NPR at the mm-hmm. time and doing a lot of like audio sketches and to save up money to move to New York eventually. And my mother came down. It was the, it was the Joe Murphy Annual Comedy Award, which I don't mm-hmm. think they give out anymore. But Joe Murphy was this guy who was at Emerson College with, like, at the same time as, like, Laura Keitlinger and David Cross sure. and was with all those people, and he died of brain cancer. And so I remember just my, you know, it, there, there was a morning reception. My mom usually doesn't drink, but they were having mimosas. And, uh, you know, I we did the ceremony and everything, and just my mother and Joe Murphy's mother were just, like, bawling holding on to each other, crying, and this this whole thing, and, you know, it was just a, it was just a, there were just too many different emotions happening at this time, you know, and it wasn't even that it was terrible, it was just everything, it was everything, and it all felt so overwhelming that I was just like, I can't process any of this stuff, you know, and I remember going home, and it was also, you know, it was my little brother, who they think what had happened was with the fire that he had just left a candle burning and it burned through, you know, classic. Yeah. Classic situation. Also, but if he's was, younger in high school, like, oh, yeah, you light candles all the time, man. At least I did. Yeah. Throw on some nine inch nails and light some candles. He was, a, and, he was a candle lighter. Yeah, sure. We lost a cat. Mm. We lost a cat in the, in the scenario. That's heartbreaking. And it was so hot that it melted our, t- like, our TV was melted. And it melted the Venetian blinds in the kitchen on the other side of the house. Like, wow. the fire was mainly contained to this one area. But it was that hot that the Venetian blinds were melted, Oof. like, way on the other end. And so there's all this stuff going on, and I just remember, you know, this is, like, the most poignant thing that's ever <laughs> like happened to me. And I I don't know if it sounds poignant to anyone else, but I have to find some, some way to use this scene at some point in my creative career. But we were up at the... There's like this community room in the kind of subdivision where we, where my parents lived, where we were celebrating my parents' wedding anniversary. And we walked down to the house, which was burnt up, yep. because my dad wanted to get some frozen meatballs from the freezer that oh, he had okay. made and frozen that I think he was going to bring back up to heat up. And it was... I think it was the first time that I saw the house in that state and it was just like I actually started laughing because it was just ridiculous everything was covered in soot this is the first time you've seen it 
Yeah, the first time I've seen the house since that since that happened because I've been in Boston and my parents lived in New Hampshire. Uh, and yeah, and then my my so my dad goes into the freezer to get out these frozen meatballs, and he can't find, he can't find them anywhere, and he just starts crying because he can't find the frozen meatballs. Yeah. you know, and it was just like. I don't know. It was just like the saddest but most beautiful moment, you know, of my adult brain thinking life where I was like, this is this is a real slice of humanity that I'm lucky enough to be standing in right now with yeah. my dad, this guy who you never see cry. He's not an emotive, I imagine, like most parents. Well, he's, you know, he's least. emotional in the, like, uh, you know, get angry way sure and the classic dan loria you know uh wonder years way yeah he's got a lot of emotions in there but yeah. you know like like anyone like any baby boomer who wasn't necessarily a hippie doesn't always know how to express them but yeah just standing there in the in the hole of my burnt out home where i'd basically grown up since the time i was eight with my dad crying because he can't find the meatballs in the freezer and it's just I don't know. It really felt like time was standing still, you know, and I was just hugging him. Yeah. And, and we were both kind of like just letting everything wash over us. Isn't that really interesting what what you can soldier on through and like kind of, you know, keep your chin up for and then there's just a tiny little infraction of not being able to find meatballs. Yeah. And why is that the thing that sets you over the edge? But for some reason, inexplicably, like that's just like the one crack and the whole dam breaks. Yeah, I think because it's, for one thing, you know, the guy loves his meatballs. Sure, sure. You're, you know, you're a good Italian. This is by no means the first time he's cried over meatballs. I should have said that. He <laughs> cries nearly every time meatballs <laughs> are discussed. So this doesn't feel that poignant anymore. You know, it's not, okay. but I was stretching to think of anything. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair. Um, but I think it's, you know, he was looking forward to it, for one thing. So there's this sort of, oh, here's this little, this one nice little thing that Ray I know I can shine. have. And it sort of just represents there could be nothing more normal than pulling frozen meatballs out of your freezer to heat up. That sure. is the definition of normal American yes. suburban Very mundane. life. Yep. And when that is not there, it's just like... I don't know. There's a big empty space. Like there's literally a big empty space where the, this normal thing is no longer, and then you're surrounded by a burnt house. You know. Yeah, you're in a tomb, and you yeah. can't find this one simple thing that you've been looking forward to. Yeah, that's really interesting. I when you said that, it made me think of, um, and I haven't thought about this forever. But on because we just talked about this on actual September 11th started off like the day started off like you know I was making jokes and then I remember walking through the common and seeing people like freaking out like everybody's kind of trying to run to go somewhere because nobody knew exactly what had happened they yeah. heard like Boston was involved somehow yeah it was just like this exhausting day like I didn't react like those guidos like the, oh but every time like they showed the recap I'd be like oh Jesus fuck and it was just so exhausting and I remember I was still 20 at the time so I went back to my apartment and um uh, Com Ave, like out in Alston, mm-hmm. and I went to the little convenience store, the bodega down the street, to buy a six pack. But a long day, I was gonna have a beer. But I had this the worst fake ID. Like I bought it in, like in the West Village the summer before, and I was such a dum dum that I only put Steve Bazalone. I didn't put like a full name. Mm. 
right. there was like all these like weird key holograms on it, uh-huh. just so it looked more like a real thing. Just the worst. But people in New York didn't give a shit because they just wanted to sell you booze. But I go to this convenience store. It's you know the evening, September eleventh. Want to buy like a? It was a disc. It wasn't even. It was, I think it was called Black Label. It was a like a Canadian beer that was like a discount PBR. So mm-hmm. that was like the quality. And the guy took my ID and kicked me out of the store. Oh. And I was just like, Come on. today, man, <laughs> I'm just, I'm not, I'm not buying like a, it's a six pack. And like, and I just like, I was just like incensed. I had this sense of anger and I like started to yell at him, but then like, I'm not in the right. Do I want yeah. to get like cops here for something, another stem infraction? But we're walking outside and then just losing it, just totally crying. Because mm. I have this long day and this tiny little thing, like, I'm just, yeah. just going to buy a beer with my fake ID as most college kids do and then he took my shit and yeah. I just lost it that was your frozen meatballs that was my frozen meatballs that reminded me that a few days after 9-11 walking through the north end back when I smoked which I don't do anymore either you really cleaned up your act man yeah a real piece of shit <laughs> uh, I was walking down to some convenience store it might have been the White Hen Pantry it might have been some other place sure. I don't recall sure. and I went in and it was, uh, I think, a Pakistani guy working there. And I asked him, do you have any American spirits? And he goes, oh, yes, sir. I have very much American spirit. Mm. Just gave me, like, a thumbs up and a smile. And it was the first time that he was he was making a joke of, like, yeah, yeah you don't have to worry about me. I got American spirit out the wazoo. But yeah. it made me feel so much better. Oh, really? About everything. Yeah, because That's he wasn't good. doing it. he wasn't doing it as, like, Fearfully, he was doing it as a joke, like a play on words. Right. You know? And there were, that he saw something in me where he felt comfortable doing that. That's nice. And I saw something in him where I didn't report him to the police. <laughs> Good for you. You know? But, uh, I, but like, what is that coming out of? Like, I feel like it, it I mean, it's incredibly no, it's very, to it's, now. There, it's very depressing underneath, but yeah. I think similar to you, he was making a joke about a horrible situation, which yeah. even apparently Pakistani people do. That's And it makes you know? it feel like all the more palatable. Like, oh, this is going to be okay. Yeah, it just, We can it, joke about it. It was, a, it, was a mo- it was a moment of levity that I wasn't expecting right. that I will probably never forget. It was just, it was really nice. Then you reported him? I did report him. Yes, anonymously. that's smart. That's smart, and honestly. Yeah, it was such a very, and it's, I don't know, I guess because it's been such a long time, but it feels so foreign, but that, like, period was so bizarre. It wasn't, I wouldn't graduate that year, I graduated the year later, mm-hmm. um, but it just felt like, everything felt like an exposed nerve, mm-hmm. I think for everybody, and, like, on top of that, if you're also, your childhood home is burning down, Yeah, and your dad's crying over meatballs. Yeah, that's a lot of shit at once. Yeah, it was a, it was a long year, and I was working at NPR at WBUR BU, on Morning Edition as a news writer, and I think I had to be there at three thirty in the morning. Oof, and there's no uh, subway at that time. Oh, I know. So I just have to ride my bike from the North End. Yeah, that's a trek. Uh, I think actually at that point, I might have been in. Cambridge, because I stayed a year after. I stayed a year after graduation, um, before I moved to New York. During the winter, I think I was in Cambridge, but that was just—it was just horrible. Yeah, you know. And I, so I would still drink, of course, until sometimes eleven at night, and then wake up at like three forty-five, <laughs> and draw, you know, ride my bike 
semi-drunk uh-huh. through the winter streets of Boston. In Which is just black. delightful. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. And that's a kind of job, too. Like, one of the guys I worked with there who had done it for a long time, and he lived... He was the producer of the show, and he lived down south somewhere, not even in Boston. So he would get in at, like, 2.30, and he would wake up at, like, 1.30 in the morning. And he was a big runner. But over the course of that last year, I saw him probably lose 60 pounds or something. You know, there's just, like, so much news and so much stress. And, you know, that job is not like working the night shift or something. It's like waking up in the middle of the night and right. going... It's not like switching you your rhythm. You don't start it's, your day at 7 p.m. and go to 7 a.m. You yeah. start it at 2 in the morning, Yeah, which is it's so very, bizarre. It's very bizarre. And you have to try to go to bed at, like, I don't know, 7.30 at night or 8 at night. You can't really do that. You know, you can't do yeah. it. No, that's impossible. I can't. It's too hard, I Steve. can't do that shit. Um, but that's also interesting because, like, I feel I have, especially, like, in this... Uh, this year particularly like every other year I've been like so in- invested in elections and this year it's just like I haven't really it just all feels like white noise and I don't know maybe because the first time like I have I don't have other things to wor- as many things to worry about for such a long time I did and now I don't so it's just like I'm gonna tune this out mm-hmm. I, I like you know come in every so often get a cliff notes okay see where we are and back out smart of you but like you couldn't you couldn't do that during that period like if you're working on the news deck, yeah, like you're right. seeing everything firsthand, and just like all of the garbage that was happening is, yeah, that's your life. Also yeah. at three in the morning. Yeah, but you know, I, I also was thinking on the ride over, and am thinking of it now that I've been pretty uh, tragedy free thus far. You know, that's nice. I haven't had to deal with that much. I have a very good friend right now. House burning down feels like a thing. It's a thing, but that you know, it feels like a really weird experience that not very many people have. No, it's it's true, but I think I've just been lucky that you know most of the most of my loved ones and close close um, personal friends have all been pretty healthy. Yeah, I haven't really had um, that many close, very close people to me die. Everybody's time comes. It's fine. Yeah, no, I know <laughs> it'll come eventually. <laughs> I know, it's but that's be great bad. though. It's that's probably, a good thing. Probably today. Yeah, no, well, you're having this conversation, so it's not great. It's not a great day. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, but I mean, I think that is... I feel like I've had a lot of people come on and talked about, like, really tough stuff, but I don't want this show to be purely that, because that's not a thing everybody has had. Right. Um, And I think, like, what you're talking about is so incredibly universal, just having, like, that period of going from kind of feeling like an adult but not really and I mean thrust into feeling like an adult and then also having all this weird tumultuous shit happen all at once yeah yeah it's hard to that's it feels like that's a real fuck you into adulthood yeah I just I guess I think I look back on you know because I'm 38 now 30s have definitely been the best decade yeah without without a doubt that's great there were some really hard times like Stopping drinking, coming to the conclusion that I'm an alcoholic and have to, have to stop, mm-hmm. was a was a really bad six months. But I'm so much better off, right? And you know that I had the strength and wherewithal and people in my life to be able to do that is that also wonderful. Feels, the fact that you're talking about like having a tragedy for free life that feels like a really hard thing to do. Like, well, yeah, it is. I, I'm not saying tragedy-free. I'm just saying, you know, it made me think about the fact that I've been lucky that right. not many people that I love have died. Um, but, yeah, no, I think just, like, 
but when I look back on the on my twenties, it's like, oh god, yeah, what a mess, what a yeah. disaster. Yeah. It seemed like it was fun at times. Yeah, but there's just like I can't even really get a foothold on it, you know. Yeah, just so personally, so scatterbrained and all over the place, and chasing all kinds of different things, and not really sure what's going on. Just like that whole decade, just feels like it went so fast and was so chaotic. Yeah. And like slippery, you know, like yeah, it's I, I don't know. I wouldn't say that I wouldn't do it again, but it's like I am very pleased that I'm to no not longer be doing that in my twenties. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the twenties for me, and I still feel this way by and large. Uh, but it felt like I was always kind of wearing, like a kid wearing my dad's suit. Uh-huh. Like I was playing adult, but I had no skill. Like it had no means or skills to like do anything. Right. Um. And if you're, yeah, if you're a comedy writer, that's still the case. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But it's like all, of that all the time. It's also like I still feel like a like a dum dum by and large. But then, I don't know. Like the twenties feels like that was like the period in which like your hair was growing. You never uh-huh. see it happening, but all of a sudden you're thirty and like, oh fuck, my hair's long now. Uh-huh. Like I attained some sort of knowledge and skills. It's a weird period. I lost all my hair in my twenties. So. so it's not the best metaphor. <laughs> no, it's a horrible metaphor. And seems almost like as if it were cruelly designed. Um, you know, it, we can read between the lines. That was that was my intention, but I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah. Well, everything is about me. Ultimately. Yeah. Clearly. Um, I guess I, I would just because I think the the burning down the house seems like the most interesting part. Like, what was that? What was that like when you received that phone call? Was it just like, oh, okay, everybody's safe, no big deal? Yeah, I think I just. Uh I think you know, and I don't. Uh, I don't mean this in a braggardly way, but I have. A, I deal better with big things happening than little things happening. Like, I will fly off the handle, you know, if I can't get my Xbox to turn off. Sure. But, you know, house burning down and, you know, children falling and cutting themselves open, I'm usually okay okay you go into like fight or flight pretty quickly yeah like i think later on i have like oh i'm really fucking stressed about this and i haven't noticed until just fucking now maybe that's why (laughs) i'm mad at my xbox actually Uh uh-huh um but yeah like for whatever reason i'm usually generally able to be fairly calm when big bad things happen and i i think i if i recall uh actually laughed on during the phone call about the house burning down. Oh, wow. was, because I was in the midst of my apartment, which was covered with dust, people coming and going with circular right. saws, researching tenant laws in Massachusetts to try to figure out if there was anything I could do, like, legally, mm-hmm. and got the call that, you know, we're going to be coming down next week for your thing, and the house burned down. By the way, Matt burned the house down. So it was just a, There was something deeply... Really funny about that. Funny about it. Oh, yeah. everything's going up in and flames. And it did make Literally. it. Yeah, it made everything feel like, oh, okay, well, yeah. I guess this is just what's going on. Right this is now. the period. This I'm, is what I'm going through. And, it, and I did kind of feel like, you know, being kicked out of my home in Boston. My parents are being kicked out of their house mm-hmm. in New Hampshire, and just everything's being kicked out. You know, kicked out of its home. And I kind of You're felt being like kicked out of academia. I was being kicked out of yeah academia, and that maybe that was just good. Like. You know, there. This is just. It couldn't be a more clear symbol that like right. something new is starting. Right. You know. Well, it's also interesting that you're talking about. I mean, it, 
just based on this one story I've heard about the meatballs, it's clear where your able, ability to compartmentalize and handle big things better, but then a small thing happens with the Xbox or meatballs, and that's yeah. when you lose it. Yeah. Well, it was my dad who lost in the meatballs. No, I know, but then pussy. you... Well, yeah. So, so the pussy continues down the lineage. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Right, yeah, I yeah. see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we so have that's, the genetic yeah, predisposition to be mad at small things small that things. can change. Yeah, yeah. Instead of big things that we can't. Maybe that's good? Is that good? I don't know. I'm not going to put judgments on myself. I think it seems okay. I mean, I would much rather have that be the case than the inverse, right? I don't know. Who cares? Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's a good point to, to leave on. Who cares? <laughs> Ultimately, this, this was dumb. Who gives a shit? <laughs> the whole thing's dumb. Right. Um, but thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Cut out the stuff about not caring. I do care. No, no, no. That's that's what I'm going to lead with. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. No, my pleasure. This was very nice to to get to to do. Yeah, it's nice to do these for another reason that like I've known you for what, fifteen years? Probably. Yeah. yeah. And this is probably the longest conversation we've maybe ever had, or at least in the last decade. Yeah, I would yeah. say in the last decade for, for sure. sure. Sitting down in our own homes. Yes. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Well, thank you, sir. Good I pleasure. appreciate thank it. Thank you. I see evidence of you and him. Mark it. That was another great episode with our very dear friend, Joe Randazzo. Um, if you want to see more of what Joe's up to, you can watch uh, at midnight because that's where he spends a lot of his time. Or you can look at him on Twitter. It's at J. That's at J. Thanks so much to Joe for coming out and uh, chatting with us and just being an overall menschy guy. Um, and thank you to who else? Who else can I thank here? Oh, I need to thank Hayden Fongheiser and Julia Pott and Kingdom Flying Club for doing all the things behind the scenes that I am not smart enough to do. Um, what else? Oh, if you want to if you want to keep tabs on us, you can check us out on Twitter. That's where. What are we at? We're at terribly underscore funny. You know, drop us a line, give us a follow, give us a star or a retweet, whatever the fuck. You know, live your life, do whatever you want. But there's the information. Also, if you want to, you can drop us an email at terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail.com. That's terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail.com. You know, just say hi, how you doing, love the podcast, hate the podcast. Again, it's your life, do whatever you want. Um, but I will say this, thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me for you coming on this weird journey uh, of, of, of a bizarre little experiment that this is this podcast. You guys are fantastic. Uh, I hope you sleep well.